Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Carl. And my name is Arthi, and today we're talking about Halloween 3. The heist in it. Yes. Um, you know, I always really do like these heist episodes. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, and I did like the, I just wasn't sure like what to expect from this one. Cause you and I had talked last year about how like Jake won one and then Holt won one. And we were wondering if they do like, you know, a, a gender split or if we'd see some sort of like epic twist for this year's episode. This was a good evolution. And I think they probably still have, you know, more to draw out of this well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like they could have everyone be going after the prize, not just Bolt and Jake could open up to everyone. After that, I don't know what you do. Maybe something stolen from the 9-9 by an actual criminal. <laughs> you mean they all have to actually do their jobs for once on Halloween? Yeah, I mean, they did their jobs the first Halloween, and it's implied that Bolt and Jake do a lot of people's jobs the rest of Halloween, both of the second and third seasons. You're right, you're right. Uh, I think in this one they straight up call it out at the beginning. Jake says, uh, anyone who participates gets the night off. Yeah, I mean, that's the impli- that was the prize last year, too. Oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. That was the incentive for people to participate. The um, I don't know, I just I like Halloween. I, I did like the cold open. I like them not, like... Uh, lingering on the boiled costume love joke too much. Although that was kind of cruel. It was cruel, but it was the kind of practical joke I'd expect out of them. Yeah, it's true. Also, this year his costume wasn't gross and sexualized. It's true. It was a pretty straight Elvis. Uh, sorry, pretty straightforward Elvis costume. I did. I did appreciate. <laughs> I did appreciate Holt being like. Uh, He's clearly Elvis, and he's like, yeah. He's like, the Canadian figure skater. He's like, no. That was good. Holt's was... always got the best stinger to everyone else's prank. I 100% agree. What a great, um, what a great cold. That was actually very researching, good cold. Researching Holt's lines must be a fucking riot. Oh, my God. I don't even know where they begin with that. How do you, do you, do you just, like, type into Wikipedia or whatever, like, like, Austrian flautist, and then just go from there? Like, how do you even start that? I don't know. I mean, with this one, I'm sure they were like, um, Elvis, disambiguation. <laughs> uh, Wikipedia, a true, a true gift to all people in all times. A lap um, riot. <laughs> hey, Carl, what'd you do for Halloween? Uh, I had a little dinner party with some friends. Uh, one of my guests ran a one-shot RPG, explored a haunted house. Uh, yeah. This is, awesome. like, the first year where we were actually, like, handing out candy to children as adults. So, like, that was weird. <laughs> Halloween's weird in New York. I don't know how yeah? kids do it. Someday I'll have to figure it out. What, what do you mean? Well, like, before we set up, we were heading up in the elevator, and we heard some kids being like, okay, now we've got to, like, uh, go to some buildings on the way down to 66th Street to take the Crosstown bus to get back to your mom's place. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm from suburbia, I'm... so we just like went to a neighborhood with a pillowcase. Yeah, you know, it's so interesting. That's always been like my biggest concern about like the hypothetical future in which I I would have raised kids in New York. I'm just like, man, you give a kid like an unlimited metro pass and like, you know, if they turn off their cell phone, they could go anywhere and be doing anything. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I would probably still accompany the children on Halloween trick-or-treating because that seems just reasonable. But Right. No, I just meant in general. And, like, this, even this, like, micro example is sort of indicative of my, like, larger, like, because we both grew up in suburbia, right? I had so much parental supervision. And, like, the times when I didn't were when I was doing, like, academic things, you know? And on, like, the other side, it's way easier to opt out of Halloween in New York. Because you have to, like, at least in my place, you had to sign up in the elevator for when you were going to be home, like, accepting trick-or-treaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's true, because, like, I guess in suburbia, if your lights are on, the kids gonna come. Yep. Yeah, which always drove my parents crazy, because they didn't get Halloween. They're like, we don't. Why? Why would you? <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the pragmatism of my parents in my old age, because they're like, just buy your own candy. Like, why do you need strangers to give it to you? <laughs> just buy your own candy. They don't have money. They're children. No, but like, but like again, their parents are accompanying their children, right? So it's would your like, parents have bought you that much candy? Not all at once, but I wasn't eating it all at once. My mother would take a big, ch- my mother would take a cut of the stash. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, I was. Did you go as anyone for Halloween? Like, were you in costume? No, I just like took something ridiculous out of my closet and then decided it was too warm to wear it so just like there so you were halloween carl for halloween yeah bella and i have an extensive selection of truly stupid outfits in our closet due to larping so (laughs) that's awesome though that you just always have a costume on demand Eh, not necessarily a good costume oh that's fair um that reminds me did you dress up for comic-con no, I went after work. Ah, uh, yeah. I never dressed up for New York Comic Con either. I'm, by the way, I'm 100% going to be there next year. <laughs> um, I was Stevani for Halloween this year. Yeah, I saw it. it was a good costume. Thank you. I was super happy with it. And, like, at work, we got a face painter to come in. And I had been sort of, like, uncertain about how my, like, tummy jewel would come out. And... My my boss actually was the one who suggested that I have the face painter do the gem. And so she did. And it's still there, actually. <laughs> Very faded. Very faded, but it's still there. Um, it was it was a and like the best part is that. Well, the worst part was that nobody at either my improv class or my my job recognized the character. But then I was like walking around and somebody stopped me and goes, oh, yeah, Stevani, I love it. And I was like, <laughs> yes, thank you. Um, so it was nice to have like it was, that part felt very New York Comic Con to me it was like a random, stra- random stranger stopping me on the street and being like, I love your costume. You're the character like they name the character and like, I love that show. And I'm like, yes. So, um, I felt bad that no one at work recognized my costume, but then when I posted the picture on the internet, I got tons of faves, so I don't feel bad at all. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, hey, so Carl, what happened in this episode? Halloween! In this episode, Jake and Holt continued their long-standing Halloween rivalry, this time with teams. Uh, but in the picking of the teams, as always, the nerdy kid was not picked, um... Amy was rejected by both her boyfriend and her boss. 
Uh, and then she plotted and executed terrible, terrible revenge by making them run up 31 flights of stairs. Uh, and uh, <laughs> then demonstrating that she had outwitted both of them and stolen the object of desire, which in this case was a crown. She was uh, crowned Queen of Halloween and Queen of the, Be- of the Nine-Nine. Um, and long may she reign. Uh, while this was happening, uh, other plot lines were developing. Um, mostly just that Boyle was trying to hook up uh, Gina with some dude named Nadia. He's not actually named Nadia. He's named Leo. Uh, probably because of the Zodiac. Um, and then at the end, she's like, yeah, okay, I'll try out this dude who's probably not a male prostitute. But it turns out he's worse. He's Genevieve's twin brother. All is lost. So where do you want to start with our discussion? A plot or B plot? I might as well get the B plot out of the way, because I doubt there's like a lot to say about it. Um, my only thought walking away from the episode about the B plot was, hey, do you think Genevieve knows that Boyle and Gina used to hook up? They definitely know. Um... They definitely know because there was some severe tension between them in the behind the like one way mirror in the like interrogation room. Like there and like there was there was stuff sprinkled through the episode. Like, for example, um I have never made fun of you, especially not your physical appearance. Like, it's just, in my opinion, the interrogation room is just a sexually charged location. Uh Uh-huh. And there was definitely a kind of energy there. I mean, I know that, I know that Boyle and Gina remember that they used to hook up, but my question is, like, does Genevieve know? I think probably not, actually, and I hope that that is how Charles' relationship with Genevieve ends soon, because then you've got momentum into sending him back towards Gina. Yes. I I'm not going to lie. I'm a little I'm a little uncertain if that I'm a little uncertain if Boyle and Gina's endgame, which breaks my heart to say, um only because I'm wondering if it'll be more of a Tom and situation, like where they kind of where the writers feel like they tried it out and it didn't work, even though it totally did work. I don't know. I maybe I don't know. I mean, it, it's possible that they put uh, Charles and Gina's parents together in order to like close the book on that. But if but if so, they clearly haven't committed to that because like Boyle clearly sees it as some kind of like weird bond between them that could definitely turn sexual. Because <laughs> Boyle's the worst. Like Boyle's a horrible person. I don't. The more I see of Boyle, the more I'm like, you're like. You have a very warped lens of the world, and it means you can never, ever, ever be normal a little bit, and you're going to cause a lot of people a lot of discomfort over the course of your life. Fortunately, Gina also has a warped view of the world that causes people active discomfort for the rest of their lives. Yeah, but she can turn into glamour. I mean, he's just superb. (laughs) You're not. You're totally right, though. Also, like, I probably said this about Genevieve before, but fuck, I am so tired of them setting Boyle up with people where the reason they're together is they've got so many similarities. They're weird in all the same ways. That never fucking works. 
Never. Like on TV or in real life? Either. Sometimes they make it work on TV, but it's always the most like bullshit, ham-fisted, this would never actually happen scenarios. Yeah, I think you're you're definitely right. It's definitely less of like we share the same weirdness and more of a like I respect your weirdness and you know and, and raise my my weirdness with that. Yeah, it's fine for them both to be weird, but like Charles and Genevieve are weird about the same things and like pick up the same weird I'm gonna like kiss my boyfriend and then my brother's thing like. They, and I think that the thing is that, like, this inhibits them from ever actually getting to know anything about how the person is different from them. Which means there's always, like, landmines all over the place. Yeah, I mean, we have, like, a built-in example for that with, like, Jake and Amy. Amy, on occasion, looks at Jake and goes, God, why are we together? <laughs> But they're being, like, they're, they they see each other for who they actually are. So yes. they have much more potential strength in their relationship than Charles and Genevieve or Charles and Vivian or Charles and his first ex-wife. Like, it's not going to happen. Yeah, and it makes me wonder, what is it about Charles that all these women who – that, that – like he sen- he tends to project his own image of these people onto them, but in turn they're doing that to him as well. Like in in my own admittedly limited experience, people it's usually one way or the other, right? Like fifty percent of the couple. Let me try this again. In my limited experience, like only one of the two people in in most sort of in my in my experience with relationships like only one of those two people is sort of seeing the other as they want to see the other person whereas the other person does see the the like person a might i'd be idealizing person b but person b is usually seeing person a with clear eyes but they've given him two like they've given him two romantic interests in a row who will like put out in the first date because boyle knows what ortolan is or takoyaki. Yeah. And by the way, takoyaki is not that obscure. I think that... So on that, going back to previous episode, I think that Jake may super hate fish. Interesting. Go into this a little bit more. Well, he, like... I never had takoyaki. Uh-huh. But I had calamari back when I ate meat, right? Mm-hmm. And it was fucking delicious. Takoyaki being basically round calamari... It is like it's fried, it's like flaky and delicious, like I understand biting into like a donut hole and being shocked, but the second time, like it's a delicious savory treat. Yeah. Or like he responds to hearing like what was it? Uh uh Oh that like salmon or trout or whatever. Salmon. Yeah. But the specific salmon he's like, that sounds disgusting. Salmon? Salmon is like Look, he grew up in New York with a Jewish mother. He's probably had salmon before. <laughs> or at least Locks like lots. pretty common in New York. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, that's his demographic cuisine. <laughs> he must really hate fish for some reason. 
It's not a big point worth going into, but like. No, I kind of love it though. I, because well, I've always had a really visceral negative reaction to fish. Even when I also ate meat. Mm. So <laughs> I'm glad that Jake and I apparently share that. Go team. <laughs> um, no, but like. I, I agree that like. Boil being with, they keep giving Boyle the wrong kind of girl. And like, Lieutenant Singh wasn't correct either, right? Like, she's. Well, Lieutenant Singh was wrong because the only thing they had going was mutual attraction. The way he handled it was wrong, and it's still indicative of his, like, systemic failure of relationship model. Mm hmm. Right. Right. Oh, God, I'm still angry that he gets, like, he's like, she's a vegan, I can't. Like, he probably shouldn't anyway, because she's just, like, a casual thing. But, like, you don't have to have food every time you have sex. So he could have, like, being a vegan is not despicable. He clearly wants to, like, bang this woman silly. He may not be physically capable of that, but, like, you know. It's dumb. He's dumb. <laughs> Well, not to mention, like, he got really jealous. We were just harping on past episodes now. Like, Boyle is, Boyle is problems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but Gina, Gina was great in this episode. I loved her turn my tweets into a book. And I felt like <laughs> her, uh, I felt like her distrust of not only Boyle's taste, uh, Boyle's taste in men. <laughs> was a weird choice of words, but sure. Which is weird, because Boyle's Taste in Men is entirely Jake. <laughs> so I guess it explains it. Yes, Boyle's Taste being entirely Jake is probably the reason that Gina does not trust Boyle's Taste in Men. Um, I, I... The, the official Twitter was saying, like, is this Gina's match made in emoji heaven? And I was like, possibly, but, like... Nah. I did like her, I did like her, um, fantasy situations for meeting her man. (laughs) (laughs) Both, it was both illegal. Dance competition or something? Yeah, it's both illegal dance competitions, but like, one of them was in an abandoned subway tunnel. No, it was a street racing competition. Yeah. Huh. Weird. Well, I think she, I think she wants to either be in a step up movie or a Fast and Furious movie. Maybe she knows how to drive. I don't know why she learned that, but I know zero native New Yorkers who know how to drive. Like everyone I know who knows how to drive, who lives in New York, learned it when they grew up elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I don't know. There's not much to say about the B plot. I did I did note in our notes that like there is like a vestigial C plot. C plot effectively started as. Or it was seemed to be set up as like Amy's feelings are hurt by Jake and Holt not picking her, and I—that's the texture of the a plot. I agree. I agree. Well, like the Scully Hitchcock stuff too. Like that felt like that was part of like a, the same like little like little camp, but then it it got rolled into the a plot, and it just became the a plot some more. Um, so let's talk about the A plot. Yeah. All right. Let's st- let's start from the top of the A plot. So, um, 
I did one of the things I noticed as I watched it the second time was that uh was that there were there were touches of the last two um there were touches of the last two Halloweens in in how Jake got the crown out of the briefcase and how Holt got the crown out of Jake's filing cabinet. Like Right, yeah. Like like down to like Jake trying to like scale through the like Rosa doing the like somersault was like very much like from the 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 drone version of Halloween. Um but that I mean it kind of has to be because uh like it has to have a lot of shade for the previous ones in order for Amy to so easily defeat them. Yes. No, and I liked that. Like, I liked that there were these, like, callbacks and, like, sort of thematic reflections of, like, the first Halloween with, like, Jake and the subterfuge and, like, him faking like he'd failed so that he could succeed. Things like that. Um, I, I also liked that, like, Jake fell for the, like, distraction again. Like, last time it was party bus, this time it was adorable twins. Well, Jake can't really fail to fall for the distractions he's presented with. It's true. To be fair to him, like, it would be super rude to turn down uh, Sharon and the twins. Mm-hmm. And he did all he could to keep the keep his attention on the, the cabinet while it was happening. Yeah. But that, like, wink that Holt gives in that picture is amazing. I really hope that all these... That was these, a tremendous like, amount of swagger. I know. Uh, I really hope all these pictures that people take, that f- people fake take on this show, end up being, like, real pictures that people have in oh, real boy. life. I know. That's the dream. God, and how cute were Cagney and Lacey's little police officers? They were very cute. Ugh, I want more of them. I want so much more of them. I just want them. I I know adding kids to a show is a terrible idea, and also like I'm glad to see Sharon again. Yes, I agree. Despite the fact that she's supposed to be super pregnant, she. I so I watched it the second time. I rewatched that scene a couple times to to for that detail. Um, she's wearing that mumu kind of like giant shapeless prisoner outfit. Um, yeah. So, but like when she she like straightens up at one point, and you see that she's got like a pregnancy belly under there. Interesting. It's I just... mean, the last we heard from of her, she was on bed rest. Is all I'm saying. Oh yeah, there's that. I forgot about that. Speaking of continuity, suddenly Jake and Amy have only been going out for a few weeks. Uh so I fan winked that away. Would you like to know how? By pretending that the finale was. Multiple months in the future. Um, sure. Although I also, I also was just like, I I impl- I I read it as like them not having called each other boyfriend girlfriend only until only re- reasonably recently. I think that after the way their relationship developed in the first episode of the season, that's not. I don't think that holds up. I mean, I'm almost certainly wrong, and I like this is an explanation that makes me comfortable with moving on with my life. Like, you know, 
Okay. I won't pull it apart. No, no. I mean, go for it. Go ahead and pull it apart. It It's one of those things that, like... Like, I know I'm wrong. I, all, I, all I'm going to do is cause you pain. Nah. Carl, we've already... We've been through this fire. I don't feel like doing that to you today. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. I'll save it up. <laughs> uh, maybe not so much thank you. <laughs> um... You're right, though. I did. I did note that he's like. I know we've been going only. I know we've only been together for a few weeks, but um, we also know that Jake is really bad at calendars. Yeah. So, um, I yeah. So so can we talk about the teams and how they shook out? Because like I would a hundred percent have guessed they shook up. In, they shook out in like I think very predictable and sensible ways. Yes. It was like team best friends versus team like people who directly work for you. <laughs> it was definitely team who do I get the most plot lines with that isn't each other. Yeah. Yeah. Like like I cuz I was thinking about this like had Amy ended up on a team from purely like this is who I spend most of my plot time with. It would have been Team Jake because she gets a lot of plot time with Rosa and Jake, respectively. Also, they're like they've been partners. Yes, they get the most plots. That's like they've got the most plots that rely where they're relying on each other's abilities. Yes, <laughs> um, on the like three times a year historically where they've been put together. Um, yeah, that's more than with other people. It's true. Um, and like Jake gets that plot line or rather that set up with Rosa a lot too. So that made total sense. But that doesn't tend to be as much like they're working in case together and have to rely on each other's skills. Both aren't both Pontiac bandit episodes that though. No, that's both. That's Jake ignoring Rosa's skills both times. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, then what about during the giggle pig arc? Jake mostly wasn't involved with the Giggle Pig arc. Uh, Uspis and... Nope, that's it. Uspis. <laughs> Never mind. I take it all back. Was... I'm super wrong. <laughs> I, um... I I do... But, but yeah, the teams shook out. Like, I think it would have been most likely... Had Amy ended up on a team, it would have been most sensible for him her to end up with Jake. Um... Just given like historical precedence of the show, um, but I'm actually really like as shitty as it was that the nerd didn't get picked, as you so eloquently put it. Um, give as shitty as it was that she didn't get chosen for either team, and in fact got a hard pass from both players. Uh, yeah, I as shitty as that was, I totally understood their reasoning for that. Like, their reasoning is shitty. I understood why they felt that way, though, because they were so caught up in their game. Yeah, I, if it were anything but one of the Halloween episodes, <clears throat> I wouldn't buy it. But on the Halloween episodes, they're both such, like, competitive diaper babies. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. I mean... None of the, neither of them should be that dumb in a different situation. Agreed. And I think I think if they if either of them had been that dumb in a different situation, 
uh, I want to believe that Terry and Rosa would have taken their respective team leads and been like, what are you doing? Probably. Yeah. Because, like, even I noticed this, like, because, you know, we've talked about how one of the best things about the show is that everyone in every scene, when the cameras are going, everyone is fully in character and reacting. Um, And one of the things I noticed is at the beginning, Terry, like, gets kind of this, like, brow furrow when Holt's, like, when Holt calls Amy's loyalty into question. So I was like. Sorry, what? I, I noticed that in the background of, like, this the, the draft scene. When Amy approaches uh, Captain Holt and he goes, not so fast, uh, Terry kind of reacts in the background, yeah. which I thought was great. Like, I, it was one of those things where I was like, oh. Especially because hmm? uh, Amy's sort of Terry's protege anyway. Right. Thank you. Can we talk about this for a second? The show does not want to commit to this and it drives me crazy sometimes, but like. Holt calls Amy, and we'll get to we'll talk about like people thinking that part of the scene is pro- like the scene I'm talking about is problematic. But like Holt calls Amy his protege, and I'm like, no, she's not. She's it's clearly Jake. Like, well, is this is this when they're trying to get Al's address from get her? her to, like, yeah. Well, I mean, in that same scene, Jake proposes <laughs> to her. I know, I know, and I want to talk about that that whole scene separately, right? Um, I, right now I want to talk about how, how, uh, Amy is Terry's protege, not Holt's. And I wish the show would commit to that more, like, explicitly. Cause, like. I don't, I don't think they need to commit to it explicitly. I think that if they keep writing the episodes where the two of them are together consistently, Mm then they don't need to spell anything out. Like, maybe they will, but I don't think it'll be soon. I think it'll be, like, a season and a half from now. When, like... Amy's looking around and thinking, like... She hasn't tried to get mentorship from Holt at any point this season. Yes. I think that she's looking around and thinking, I have a better feel for how this precinct works. Who's taking notice of me? It's not Holt, but that's okay. I don't want to compete with him for... I don't want to compete with my boyfriend for my boss's attention. Um, and Terry can help my advancement just as much. Yes. Oh, God. Carl, I I love the way you put that. I love everything about that statement. I love so much about the words that you just said. I just, I, I, I love the idea of her being like, I don't want to compete with my boyfriend for my boss's attention. I also... I also feel like she's always been aware that Holt has a has a has his eye on Jake and not her in the same way. Yeah, like that's that's why she's not going to get into it. If if it were actually an open field, I think she would. But Jake has always been mentoring. Uh, uh, Holt has always been mentoring Jake. Yeah, I mean, she it's it's a point of bitterness for her in Thanksgiving in the first season. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like... But... Yeah, I mean, it's a point of bitterness back then, but she's recognized other strategies and isn't, like, sitting around waiting. You're right, you're right. And and in fact, I was thinking about this recently, because this episode really made me think about Amy's larger character arc. Um, and, and I know I've been 
like angrily, <laughs> angrily asserting that Amy has her own like becoming more of an assertive person uh, arc happening. And it's it's not. But but I think that there is work being done to develop her character. And I think this episode demonstrates that there's a recognition that her character needs needs to be given more development on her own. I think so. I think it's not an explicit arc, but they are clearly making steps towards that in every episode. Right, right. So, at, well, and what what I was the rest of that is the conversation she has with Terry that I felt kicked off the quote unquote arc um, is one that one would have with a mentor. Which conversation? The one, the thing where she says to Terry, she she tells explicitly that like she feels she needs to be more assertive. Oh, this is back with Gina. Yeah, exactly. Like back in in season right. two, like season one. What? Or whatever season it was. I, don't I think remember. it was. I think it was season two because it's the one with it's the episode with um, the children's book. Yeah, it's the one with the children's book. Yeah, and and Amy didn't get a lot of plot lines with Gina until season two, right? Whatever, it doesn't matter. The point being, Gina's like, I'm a perfect person, and Amy's like, and I need to learn how to be more assertive or aggressive in a constructive way. Yeah, and I. I looking back now, I'm like that's that's the type of conversation that a person has with their mentor or with their like with someone that they admire and want to emulate, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like they're they're someone for whom from whom they want guidance, and so like I I I like that this season we're seeing Amy be like I want approval from Holt, but she's not asking for like. You're right. She hasn't asked for mentorship this season, and I'm really hoping the show commits to that. Yeah, I I think that we need to. She also hasn't had an opportunity to ask for any mentorship because one of the weird things for me about this episode is this is Holt's first episode back in the nine nine, and it's. Uh, on the one hand, I like that they are falling right back in tradition, but on the other hand, it didn't take a lot of time to unpack the damage that his absence did. Yeah, uh, well, I don't know if they will, because next, ep- next week is Baby Moon, and the week after that is uh, The Mattress. Ah, then they're leaving it behind forever. They might, we might <laughs> see, we might see some of that closer to sweeps so maybe like uh i believe i believe the episode after baby moon i believe the mattress which is november 15th i believe that episode will probably at least touch on some of that because the Timing of it is the right time for us us as the audience to get like plot relevant episodes. Also, it's a uh, it's Jake and Amy in the primary plot line, which means Holt is almost certainly involved in it too. Maybe. Eh. Not necessarily, but maybe. 
I don't know anything about either of these episodes, so. Let's talk about that scene that Tumblr's really upset about. I. Sure. Uh, let me know which scene exactly it is. I haven't been on Tumblr about this. No, live your life, and I'm really happy that you haven't. Uh huh. I'm not apologizing. <laughs> it was a it was a really frustrating argument to watch unfold. Uh, so there's basically. So the scene, for those who are not aware, um, the scene in the briefing, no, I'm sorry, the, yeah, the briefing room where, uh, where Holt calls Amy his protege and Jake asserts that they're in love and then, like, almost proposes to her. Um, there was a bit That's of a, the part they have problem with? Oh, yeah. Let me, let me tell you about. That's the best part. <laughs> so the kerfuffle on Tumblr, there are basically two camps. In insofar as the opinion goes on this, there's camp A, which is that this scene is is hashtag problematic because uh, Jake is being overtly manipulative towards Amy, who has already asserted that her feelings are hurt by her exclusion from this whole event. And yeah. everyone's like, ah, oh, he's just using her. And it and you know everything's the worst. How could he be such a terrible person? Is kind of the rundown of the argument. Yeah. Then, okay. Then, <laughs> then there's Camp B, which spoiler alert, I'm firmly a part of, which is one Holt is just as our garbage in that scene. And oh two, yeah. And- Wait. So is is the first camp kind of like excusing Holt of everything because his dick is involved? I. I think the first camp is ignoring Holt's contribution because people believe that the the love word is way stronger than Holt's admiration and respect of a colleague counter. I think people don't see Holt. That framing is problematic. I know. I'm not disagreeing. Actually, Holt does not in, in is not mentioned in Camp A's conversation ever, if at all. Okay. At least I haven't seen it. So can't be. Spoiler alert, I'm firmly part of this. One, Holt is just as garbage. And two, the show as a narrative makes it clear that both men's actions are not okay. Yeah, it's really obvious. Um, I mean... Well, and so, wait, one more thing. Camp A, sure. Camp A is part of the reason why there's been a rush of apology fic on AO3 recently. There's been at least three or four... Yeah short quote-unquote missing moment type stories where jake specifically explicitly apologizes to amy for being manipulative which i which yeah which i being in camp b feel was implicit with uh jake asserting that amy's one-upmanship of both him and holt was awesome and by holt and jake crowning her queen of the 99 in front of everyone and calling her an amazing detective slash genius i don't feel an explicit apology is necessary well, so I'm of two minds about that. Sure. I don't think I don't think it's at all necessary for the show to provide us with that explicit apology. Mm-hmm. I do think Jake owes it to her, and Jake specifically because uh, because due to the nature of their relationship, it is more appropriate and necessary for him to apologize for having done something wrong than for Holt to, because. Holt is her boss and doesn't technically owe her an apology for hurting her feelings. I mean, it would be nice if he gave her one, but that's not nearly as required mm-hmm. by their respective roles. I 
So and like since part of what Fick tries to do is to fill in every possible nook and cranny left by the show, um, I don't see anything wrong with them fulfilling that imperative in like this private moment the show doesn't need to deal with. Sure. I actually don't have as much a problem with Vic. I do have a problem with people in Camp A asserting that that apology needed to be on screen. Sorry, what? I have a I don't have a problem with the fanfiction. I have an I I have a problem with the people in Camp A seeming to assert that we needed to see that apology on screen. I felt that the sure. on-screen apology was implicit with the crowning. Yeah. I feel like a um, armchair writing is is always like if if like the backseat uh, scriptwriters on in any fandom got the things they wanted every episode of everything on every medium would be like a cluttered mess and I'm super guilty of this myself because I'm always armchair booking WWE matches. <laughs> uh, I mean, I do think I would be an amazing booker for the WWE. And if they wanted to hire me to do that, I'd have to consider it. But, like, you know, I'm better than other people. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's exactly where I was supposed to go. Um, I actually think that the break room scene is much less problematic than the... To the, then the scenes where Jake and Holt yell at Amy Cleavage. Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. Because by and for the reason that because okay and for the reason that by the time they get to the break room or not the break room by the time they get to the briefing room, uh, I at least already knew a hundred percent that Amy had stolen the crown. Um. And they establish that, like, they establish that in quite a clever way. So by the time they get to the briefing room, I already knew that Amy was completely in control. Um, and I felt that the way she let, uh, Holt and Jake's really feeble manipulations roll off her back like water, uh, indicated a ton of character growth. Mm-hmm. So I think that that scene was very positive for Amy. I thought that Jake, like, faux proposing to her was amazing because he's completely out of control. And <laughs> this is, like, the third time he's faux proposed to her. So, like, which we've been calling since the bet. Yes. But which Diaphenia called before either of us. Yeah. Uh, I I just think that, like, I think that scene was hilarious and that Amy was very strong in it. And like Jake choosing then to say that he loves her and like pretend to propose to her or like maybe he actually was. You just couldn't stop like competing. I think that's fine. Honestly, when you, when you compare it to the super huge big deal waste of an entire episode plot line that every other confession of love for a committed relationship is in every other sitcom. I prefer this. Yeah. Yeah. I So, like, my perspective is is not counter to that, but rather um, supportive. Like, like, zoom out. Like, my, my perspective is that um, the narrative never makes 
the narrative never seems to side with Jake and Holt in their worst behavior. No, right? absolutely not. Like the exactly like like Amy straight up calls out Jake and Holt for being manipulative and in in doing so being hurtful in their manipulation. Um, she calls them monsters. They both agree that they should apologize to her. But then they just get right back and, and then they're like, but you should apologize first. I'm going to go win the bet. Right. So we see how garbage their priorities are in that moment. Yeah. It's, it's consistent. Like, exactly. And and certainly. And like what, Amy did something very brave by being like, look, you not including me. That part was genuine where she's like, you discluding me. Or sorry. You excluding me was very hurtful. Right. And. And Jake not taking her seriously, we laugh at him because he's in the wrong. Yeah. Also, uh, like, the be, the narrative really punishes them. Like, yes. With Amy's help. Like, yes. Holt looks like an idiot and is bested by someone who works for him. And responds to that very graciously in the end. Um... But, like, that's a big moment. And Jake vomits four times. <laughs> but, and, and the other thing that's really important that nobody seems to, or that I haven't seen discussed as much, is that when Amy lays out her, like, does her leverage-style heist explanation, Jake, instead of being upset, says, that's awesome. This is a person who had to run up 31 flights of stairs, multiple times vomited. Like, Dude you know, loves no, shenanigans. I know. And he he is nothing but extremely happy that his girlfriend not only bested him, but did so in a in a in an in like, a totally in a awesome com- way. Exactly. Like she completely like killed it. And Rose is in the background fucking laughing her ass off. Right. Like the Holt and Jake are like one upped by the person that they explicitly said no thank you to. And and, you know, that he's proud of her. I think that's the most important part is that ultimately he he never he doesn't hold on to any resentment. He is immediately like, yep, I got beat and she's pretty fucking great. And that that is more consistent than anything else. Jake has always thought Amy's pretty great. I, I approve of this because I have basically never won any competition against my wife, so I know where Jake <laughs> is. It's pretty cool to be to be dating or married to someone vastly superior to yourself if you can handle that with dignity. <laughs> and Jake clearly does, and so I don't know that it's something that like I see why people are like a bit upset like you know what if Amy's your baby like as far as like characters go she's your precious you know cinnamon roll so be it like I do think this episode like I do think the first half of this episode treated her in a pretty gross way like putting her on the level with Skelly and Hitchcock is pretty gross but they reversed that really well and especially because she used Skelly and Hitchcock like not only did she beat them she beat them with garbage. <laughs> so imagine if she had real tools. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, like, Skelly and Hitchcock are real tools. Recognizing how they can be useful and explaining something to Hitchcock 45 times so he'll be useful is a real skill. 
Yes. Question. Yes. Was Amy dressed as like a janitor or sanitation worker last year too? Yes. Yep. Cool. She, she was, drove a garbage was... truck or something. Yes, because she put down the hydrant. Okay. Oh no no she was a tow truck person because she tows away Jake's right. car. Question two. Mm-hmm. How certain are you that the person whose apartment Amy sends them to is Amy's mom? How certain am I? I'm... I'm like 90%. Interesting. I I actually thought it, I thought the woman looked a little too young to be her mom, so I thought it was maybe her sister-in-law. Maybe, maybe. Uh, it was someone whose like, apartment she had access to on really short notice and who looks a significant amount like Amy. Like, I think they could be related. I, I, I could, I could, if they told me later that that person is Amy's mom, I would 100% believe it. I would be like, sure. I would yes and the shit out of that, you know? Although she had Uh, like seven older brothers, right? Yes. So that's a little harder. I, I think, I think they're all older. There's, Terry in the pilot says she has seven brothers. So, you know, so she's always trying to prove she's tough. Um, I think that behavior happens when the majority of your brothers are older. Maybe. I mean, she I think that been... I, 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 although I think that like just having like a couple of older brothers makes for that. I don't know. I, I've never been anywhere near that kind of family situation. Well, my dad's the middle of seven. So my, my limited experience with this is large families inherently end up breeding a lot of sort of competitive spirit. I personally think that most, I think Amy definitely has older brothers. I also think like, I also think, I also know that my dad's parents tried, tried for a girl and they kept trying for a girl because they, because his mom wanted a daughter. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if that's also what happened here. Like they tried until they had a girl. Mm Um, but yeah, I, I uh I I just feel like the narrative is so fully on Amy's side. And then and then okay. I I I feel like Carl this episode gave me the 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 thing I've been like angrily demanding of the show for a while, which is an assertion of Amy's like of of Amy being an interesting and worthwhile character beyond her definition relative to men. Do you remember how like I had been like I'm a little wary of Amy being relegated to being the girlfriend? Yeah, I think that I have felt all along the season that everything Amy does in the background, even in the I'm Jake's girlfriend moments, have been showing how much anyone who dismisses her on that on those grounds is making a mistake. Like, mm-hmm. that happened in the funeral, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, she managed to record that because uh, the vulture thought he only had to worry about Jake and not Jake's girlfriend, who was just a way to hurt Jake. Mm-hmm. I think that the note of their relationships, the, the notes of their relationship, one of the strong ones is, I'm just as good as him, and like neither of us has to support the other because the other is like falling behind. It's an extremely mutual relationship. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I, I felt that I, I just, I'm really, I think, I think a lot of people in the fandom, and I know you and I have talked about it a bit, that like, that I think a lot of the other characters are more starkly drawn in some ways than Amy is. Or more fully, fully drawn out, like individualized. Maybe. I don't know. I, I guess I'm just, I don't know how to articulate this well, but like, I just remember after I finished Halloween 3 and then was like, just to see Amy give the speech that I had been wanting, I had been giving on her behalf in my head forever. The like, you think I'm like, I'm not just, you know, his lackey or his girlfriend. Like, I'm my own person and I'm pretty fucking great. And I'm like, I'm glad to see the show assert that because that's a bold statement. Yeah, like, but she earned it. She beat the shit out of them. (laughs) She made them run up 31 flights of stairs. My God. And, like, she made them run up 31 stairs. And I'm going to bring this back with Scully and Hitchcock. Right, and I love... the, The captain had, like, Gina, who's, like, a criminal mastermind, and Terry, who could, like, lift up the world. And Jake had, like... A woman who can like cut through a window and flip through it and like whatever and also charles was there like (laughs) every single person on both of the other teams was miles better than the shit she had to work with yeah and and i love that amy used the like underestimation that everyone had for the for her and for scully and hitchcock against them yeah like it's the perfect it it's it's the most Halloween thing she's ever done is deliberately use people's expectations as subterfuge. Okay. I think we've probably uh, rung out this plot line. So, so happy. I'm just so happy. I just want to, I just want to end with being like, I'm so happy about this and I'm really interested to see the rest of the season, like where Amy goes. Cause I've felt that she needed I felt that she's been needing more screen time for a while, and this bold statement on her part is a is something that I feel like the writers are going to have to capitalize and deliver on. Yeah, like they they set themselves up for a delivery here. I hope they do it by like having her and Rosa do a multi part case because they're strongest working together, and I think Rosa also needs more development. Yeah. I mean, and and maybe maybe that'll be the thing that I've been like angrily demanding, which is Amy getting the primary position on an A plot. Yeah, I think that would work with Rosa because like Rosa would be proud of her. Yes, and it would be a great. Uh, it would be really awesome to see Emmy time done with a slightly shuffle, slightly differently shuffled group. So cool. Okay. Well, that's all I had for this episode. I think you're right. We rung this out. Um, so, uh, shout outs. Um, I want to shout out to this is Eve six and to romantic styles. Both of them, uh, were tweeting at me or at the back in the field account about the, um, that they were the ones who alerted me to like Tumblr being upset in in the two very in the, about the like the hashtag problematic 
Yeah, the camps. And 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 they were the ones who sort of um, gave me some good links about like where things were going. They both also served as sort of sounding boards for my like posi- like helping me define my position on on that whole situation. Um, so shout outs to them. Thank you guys for keeping me aware since I'm not on Tumblr much anymore. God damn it. Um, I, uh, uh, if you, if you've, uh, if any of you have sent listeners, <laughs> if listeners, if you've sent in asks recently, like in the last two months, uh, I'm today, I'm going to post a bunch of them on Sunday, which is, uh, so check the blog, our Tumblr blog. If you, if you've sent in an ask recently and, Especially if you sent it in anonymously, because you won't get notified. Um, do you have any plugs, Carl? Um, did you link to the thing I sent you previously? Motherfucker! I knew I forgot something. Go check that out. There's a link. Some quality audio content. Yes, I will. I will go edit the thing with the place and the guy. Um, go to you. I've got um, a book coming out like next week. Uh, it's um, might be a, a bit of a like stretch in the comfort zone for some people, but it's kind of like YA crossover fairy tale adventure from the perspective of a fairy. Uh, it's called Donal and the Borrowed Child, um, and I'll give you a link to like the uh, the page that you can pre-order from if you want to. It's a fun time to romp. It's got a true curmudgeon as the main character, and I love me for curmudgeons. Kind of into it already, Carl. That sounds awesome. Also, the uh, first novella I edited uh, was recently named one of Publishers Weekly's Best Books of the Year. Damn, Carl! So, if you want to see what people are talking about, you can go read The Sorcerer of the Wild Deeps by Kaya Shante Wilson. I'll give you a link for that, too, Arthur. Thank you. <laughs> um... Cool. I I don't have any plugs. I mean, I work for Flippagram, so if you want to check out our products, that'd be rad. Um, And uh, aside from that, hey, audience, if you could rate and review us on iTunes, that would be really awesome. It helps us show up in search results. It helps us get the word out about the podcast. And, um, you know, it's a low-cost way for you guys to, you know, give a little back to us um, because, you know, even despite the lateness on some of these podcasts, we are actually committed to making this succeed. So, you know, a little help goes a long way. Um, next episode is November 8th. So we'll, we'll be back with uh, Baby Moon, I think is the episode title. I can't wait to find out if Terry has a boy or a girl coming. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, from, from all of us to most of you... <laughs> This has been Back in the Field. My name is Carl. And my name is Arthi. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye!